Hi, I'm Rob Michaels, and this is Episode 5 of Season 1 of Guns and Hoses. Today we're going to talk about the Apostles' Creed. As I grew up in church as a young man, young teenager, we all would stand up and the pastor would say, Christian, what do you believe? It's important for us to know, in summary form, what we do believe so that you can remember it, so that you can recite it, so that if anybody questions your faith, you know exactly what you believe. I remember as a young officer having to learn the Miranda rights. You had to be able to recite that on a moment's notice when you're making an arrest, because if you didn't, any statement that was made could be invalidated for a lack of being Mirandized. Now, with the Apostles' Creed, it's different. With the Apostles' Creed, it's a summary of teaching. Uh, today, not so many people recite the Apostles' Creed as often as they used to. And that's unfortunate, because when you learn it by heart, you make it part of your life. But what is it that what we say, moreover, do we agree with what the Apostles' Creed teaches? When you, when you recite that, do you just say the words, or does the creed itself make an impact on your life? So we'll look at the, a minute, we'll look at the history. Legend has it that the apostles wrote the creed on the 10th day after Christ's ascension into heaven. That's not necessarily what happened, but the name stuck, the Apostles' Creed. However, each of the doctrines found in the creed can be traced to statements that are current in the apostolic period. The earliest written version of the creed is perhaps the interrogatory creed of Hippolytus. There's a name for you. The current form is first found in writing of Caesareus of Ares. The creed was apparently used as a summary of Christian doctrine for baptismal candidates in churches in Rome. So it starts off with three I believe statements. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Do you? That's what you're saying when you repeat the Apostles' Creed. So let's dig into those statements a little bit more. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Now that's a big statement. You're not only saying you believe in God, you're saying he is the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I happen to be a creationist. I believe that God indeed did create the earth, and I believe he created it in seven days. God is all-powerful. He is almighty. Before God, there was nothing. We're taught that God created all that is ex nihilo, which means from nothing. So when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, we are affirming that God is indeed almighty. He is our Father. We're told to call him Abba Father in Romans, and that he is the creator of heaven and earth. That's a big statement. You know, a lot of people don't want to believe that God created man. They want to believe that man came from a slime pit when a lightning struck it. 
Well, when DNA came along, the scientists were looking like fools because there was no proof that it came, that we came from any other form of life. All DNA is unique. Man's DNA is unique to man. So then they decided it was intelligent creation, that an intelligent being created us. Some want to say aliens. Well, God is certainly an, an amazing creator God. And he's not from this world. He is from heaven. But for anybody to say that an alien created man, well, that's not true. The Father Almighty, God, created heaven and earth, you and me, and all that is. The next statement, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again and ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the quick and the dead. So, the second segment is looking at Jesus, the second figure in the Trinity. And that's what we're looking at here. God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We're saying, I believe in the Trinity. So, we're saying, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. So, in that statement, we are saying that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. There are some that try and deny that. But Scripture tells us that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the only Son of God. And in fact, we're told He is the only way to heaven. Our Lord means we are saying that we have, by reciting this, surrendered to Jesus Christ as our Lord, as our Master. And it goes on to say, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we'll get into scriptural references that prove that. Born of the Virgin Mary. So now we're saying that we believe in the virgin birth. These are important tenets of the Christian faith. We go on to say, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, he died, and was buried. So that's the crucifixion and death of Christ. Next, on the third day, he rose again. We're saying we believe that Christ was hung on a cross and died. And that on the third day, he rose again. And he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. That's what one of the translations says. And he will come to judge the quick and the dead. In that last segment, we're saying that Jesus Christ is not dead in a tomb. He's alive. He rose from the dead. And he went to heaven to be with God. There were witnesses to that. And he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, and he will come back to carry us home and to judge those who are not part of the Christian faith. They will not go to heaven. The only way to heaven is believing in Jesus Christ, the only Son of God. 
It goes on to say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Now, that doesn't mean big C Catholic, as in Roman Catholic. That means the Holy Catholic Church, the Church Universal. The word Catholic there means universal. So all who name Christ are part of the Catholic little c Church. The communion of saints. So those of us who believe in Christ are part of the body of Christ here on earth, and the communion of saints means that we're part of that body in heaven already. They're part of our family. It says we believe in the forgiveness of sins. My friends, that's the only way to heaven. We learned last week in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us as we forgive others. I can't emphasize that enough. Do not ask God to forgive you of your sins if you're not willing to forgive others for those things they've done against you. If you're holding something against somebody, there are two things that you should not do. Ask for God's blessing and take communion. Both are reserved for those who have forgiven others and asked God for forgiveness, which he will give you. If you're struggling with unforgiveness, that's something you can pray about and ask God to deliver you for a couple of reasons. One, it restricts your relationship with Christ. It says so. And secondly, the unforgiving person struggles emotionally. It's difficult because of the weight that they bear for their sin of unforgiveness. It goes on to say, I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, when he comes back, those who were alive and here on earth will be caught up and taken into heaven. And at that time, the graves will open and those who are dead, but who were part of Christ, will rise from the dead and be taken up into heaven. Death cannot separate us from God's love or his return. My friends, this is this Apostles' Creed, and I'm going to read it through, is something that you can rest your hope on. What you say in this is truth. It is gospel. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he will come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Do you believe these things, or do you just say them? My friends, this is a summary of what it means, what the beliefs are to be a Christian. So, what does that mean to you? When we pray this prayer, we're affirming that these things are true that God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
You see, that's where the whole scripture begins. God's creation of the earth. And chapter 2, then God formed man from the dust of the ground. In John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That means he was with God in the creation, and he is God. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. It goes on to say, in the fullness of time, Jesus became man, took on the form of a human body. And he came here for one reason, to die on a cross that we might be forgiven, that our sins would be paid for. I've heard it explained this way. Imagine going into a courtroom and you've been charged with a crime. Now, we've taken people into court before. And nobody stood up for him and said, I'll take that charge. But you see, when we get to heaven, Jesus has already taken the penalty for our sin. We won't be judged for our sin because it was paid for by Christ. His death, the blood he shed on the cross, his resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. Jesus Christ paid it all. Jesus is indeed the Son of God. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. He was born of a virgin, Mary, and he is the Son of God. Jesus was talking to Simon Peter. He says, What about you? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ the Son of the living God. And in John 10, Jesus says, Even as my Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus is born of a virgin. Matthew says, Mary was greatly troubled with the words of the angel and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor in God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. Now, what this comes down to is what do you trust? Do you trust what it says in Scripture, or do you trust what you hear in the media, or what you hear from a liberal theologian or an educator? For me, I'll take Scripture as inerrant and, and infallible. It is without error, and we can trust it for all faith and practice. Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried. He rose. We're talking about the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians, it says, For what I received I passed on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living when this was written. Then he appeared to James and to all of the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. You know, we are born 
of the Spirit of God. That's not normal, but that's what God does for us when we come to him and ask for forgiveness. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, as we've, we've read, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. My friends, those who believe the communion of saints, the Church Universal, the global Holy Catholic Church, that's all of us who have called on the name of Christ. Galatians 3 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. You can't say that men can be saved and women can't. You can't say a Jew can be saved and a Greek can't. Those were arguments that were had back in that day. Sometimes today. There are some denominations that don't believe another one is truly saved. It comes down to this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do you believe that he died for your sins? If so, ask him to forgive your sins. Kneel before him and surrender to his lordship. You then join the family of God those who have gone before us and those here today and those yet to come. It also says in Scripture, they will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and did not help you? He says, I tell you this, whatever you didn't for, did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. Then you will go away to eternal punishment but the righteous to eternal life. My friends, what Jesus said is, if we see somebody in need, is our, our obligation to lend a hand to them. Those that don't know Christ, that turn away the hungry, that don't care about the needs of the poor, that don't care about the needs of the infirm, that is part of what being a Christian is is serving others as Christ served us. My friends, there's a life that is to come, the life everlasting. John says, as for you, let what you have heard from the beginning remain in you. If it does, you will also remain in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that he made for himself, made himself to us eternal life. Jesus said to the apostles, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going to, the, to prepare a room for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and welcome you into my presence so that you also may be where I am. You know where I'm going. You say, the Apostles' Creed is a reminder to us that if we believe who God is, what He did for us, what His Son did for us, that God created things, that He made all things, 
that he sustains all things, and that his son is the only way to salvation. I can't say that strongly enough. There's only one way, one way, and that is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's gone to heaven to prepare, to prepare a place for us. When this life ends, it's not over. Don't lose hope with the struggles that go on around you. We are citizens of another kingdom, the kingdom of God. He sent his son to forgive us of our sins. He's sending him back to take us home. My friends, there's nothing more sure in life than that. The whole point of having a creed like this is to explain the Christian faith in a simple way. To educate people who are new in the Christian faith what it means. To provide an easily memorized summary of the Christian faith. You know, when you're struggling, if you recite the Apostles' Creed to yourself, you will find hope. That is where you go to for hope. And it helps define and defend the Christian faith from errors. You know, I've said this before. At the end of the day, there are none so bad that have committed so many sins, have been so horrible in the sins that they committed, that they cannot receive Christ. Moreover, there are none so good, so holy, if you will, putting money in the offering plate, taking care of the kids in the nursery, cleaning up after service. All of that's great. But if you don't have Christ in your heart, salvation isn't yours. So there are none so good they don't need salvation. You can't do anything so bad that Christ can't forgive you. You can't be so good that he won't forgive you or can't forgive you or will use that as justification to let you in. The foot of the cross is the only place that the good and the bad become the forgiven. So my question to you is, do you know him? Can you recite this creed and affirm each part of it? Have you surrendered to his lordship? Because that that really is what being a Christian is all about. Trusting Him, serving Him, surrendering to His will, not our own. Thank you. Tune in again.